Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole, just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice-oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to being your host. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Body Justice. Today we have Tiara Hone, who works in public health in Toronto um, and focuses on eating disorders, mental health, and instilling positive body image for kids. She has personal experience with recovery, which has ignited her passion for advocacy and building awareness around eating disorders. Over the years, she's ran various workshops and facilitated discussions on such topics. Her purpose is to be able to create dialogue and educate and offer tools and resources that can help others feel more comfortable in their own skin. She recently released a book, which is great. It's all about body image with kids, and it's called Body Image Because All Bodies Are Good Bodies. So let's dive into this topic. Before we get started, of course, you can find me at Instagram at bodyjustice.therapist and at my website, www.allisonfordcounselingservices.com. You can find links to all of my work on there and make sure to check out my eating disorder recovery coach, or sorry, eating disorder recovery course. Um, You can find that on my website as well as my Instagram bio. It's a self-paced online course that will give you tons of tools um, to recover from your eating disorder. It's good for both people in recovery as an adjunct to therapy, as well as providers who want to learn more about treating eating disorders. So go check it out. It's half price right now, so it's the time to get it. Um, Let me know what you think of this episode. Here we go. Tiara, can you share with listeners a little bit about you, how you identify, where you're from, and what you're passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tiara. My pronouns are she and her. I'm from Toronto, born and raised, um, and I'm a public health professional. So for me, um, I'm passionate about a lot of things. Um, I'm a yoga teacher. I love Playing. Um, I have a one-year-old dog named Lola. She's really mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> and I'm, I know they're so great. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a health advocate. So um, I guess health advocacy in the sense of really just access to health, like supporting others and advocating for others to get proper access to healthcare um, in communities and in the public. Um, But of that, I think one of my focal points is eating disorder advocacy as well. And that's something that I've always been really passionate about. That's awesome. I honestly had no idea you were in Toronto. Um, That's really cool. And I imagine there's so much like health advocacy stuff you could do there. Um, I I think in the U.S. we always picture Canada as having like a better healthcare system, which I'm not sure if it does or doesn't, but I've heard that comes with a lot of like issues too. Yeah, I think like, you know, both ways that you look at it, there's there's the good and then there's the challenges as well, for sure. Yeah, totally. 
So what got you interested in working in the field of eating disorders and in body image? Yeah, yeah. So for myself, I think it was definitely driven by lived experience. Um, so I had struggled with an eating disorder for many years. And um, I think my experience really opened my eyes to um, some of the gaps in the system um, and also some of the um, some of the openings for making a change and making a difference. Um, and you know, I've, I've met many people along the way who've also struggled with eating disorders and it's been kind of, you know, at the forefront of my mind to um, help make a difference and to help um, make change in that sense because eating disorders are super, they're, they're really dreadful illnesses. And I think um, we tend to not talk about um, that side of it. Like I think people sometimes glamorize eating disorders and they're not to be glamorized at all. They're very um, deadly. Um, and I think it's really important to, um, you know, advocate for the proper treatment of others because, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of statistics that, that back it, um, you know, that are really grim. I've lost a lot of people due to eating disorders in the past. And um, so that's pretty much why I really want to advocate and why I'm really passionate about it as well. That's amazing. And I love hearing that you're in the advocacy side of things, because I think a lot of us providers, like we're so busy working with, with clients that we don't even, we don't have time or capacity for doing the advocacy or like the public health side of things. And it's just so awesome that you're doing that because it's so needed, like you said. Thank you. Um, what are some of those gaps in um, the ways that folks receive treatment that you mentioned that you noticed when you were going through your own recovery? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's many, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I think uh, one of them is, is really, it starts at detection. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately for right now, or at least in my experience, um, in order to get certain treatments, I had to get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, and for a long time, I didn't even know I, I had a eating disorder because even though I had, um, you know, symptoms, uh, it was never detected. And one of, one of my um, perceptions of that is also what comes up is a lot of um, bias. Um, there's a lot of bias for marginalized bodies who may be struggling with eating disorders, um, and they just get overlooked by the system entirely. Yeah, so there's there's limited resources in in Canada for eating disorders, and that number is even smaller for resources that are, you know, either uh, funded or like more affordable. Um, and there's limited, you know, like people who specialize in eating disorders as well. So I think that's a huge gap. Um, and also in terms of the treatment, the types of treatment that are available. Mm -hmm. um, I know there was a lot of gaps in terms of um, resources that were, you know, um, intersectional and that actually supported the individual needs as opposed to like, you know, one size fits all. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love what you're saying about like how you're just bringing awareness to number one, like how Canada has limited resources. Being in the U.S., I 
I hear that a lot. Like I've had people from Canada reach out, you know, because there just isn't that a lot of access or people that specialize um, in treating eating disorders um, up there. And then, yeah, like there's just totally this glamorization, like you said, right, of like this look that eating disorders have. And it's usually like the thin, white, like cisgender, um, like the golden girl, quote unquote, issue. And yeah, it's, it's insane because <laughs> if you look at those statistics, people of color and people who identify as transgender have some of the highest rates of eating disorders, yet they're also the most overlooked. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, yeah, that's, that's a huge problem in and of itself. Um, and I think um, it's, it's one of those things I feel like uh, that narrative of, of who kind of struggles with an eating disorder, it's pushed by a lot of things. I think even the media, like, um, I think for myself, the reason why I didn't know I had one for so long was because anytime I heard of an eating disorder, the person that I saw looked nothing like me. So I could never identify or see myself in that. And so I think it's really important for us to talk about this, talk about the fact that eating disorders don't have a look, that anybody realistically can struggle regardless of their age, their sex, their, um, their sexual orientation, um, their size, any of that. It, it mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. Anybody can struggle with an eating disorder. Yeah, that representation really matters. And it sounds like for you, it was a really um, barrier to recovery, like not seeing other people like you represented and people that struggle with eating disorders. And then, yeah, like it's like a, it's a subconscious thing, like that are, I don't even know the mechanism of our brain that does that, but like we need to be able to like relate and be represented by all walks of life. Absolutely. Um, which brings me to talk about your book. Um, I loved your book, Body Image for Kids. And one of the things I loved the most about it was that it did showcase people from um, all backgrounds and abilities. And I just think that is extremely needed. And I'm so curious, like, just, yeah, to hear your thoughts about the book. And, you know, obviously I can tell what inspired it, but yeah, tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for 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 checking it out. Um yeah, it's 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 like my baby. Um I'm I'm really happy that I was able to create something like that. Um because it's always been on my mind to sort of create resources for young people. And I think it was really important for me to um, give various examples of different types of people um, because I wanted to, again, highlight the fact that anybody can struggle with body image um, and, and just, you know, making it a normalized conversation. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, it was really important to showcase in the book um, different tools um, that help with you know, critical thinking and dealing with conflicts as it relates to body image, because a lot of those things do come up for anybody, but I think as well as young people as well. Um, and I thought that you know, growing up, I didn't really see that many, um, there was a limitation of resources um, that touched on this subject. So it was really important for me again to create um, a resource like this that that touched on this and in a relevant and uh, way that you know encompassed things like social media. 
Yes, and you did a great job at that because I think it really had so many tools and it was so interactive, like very digestible for kids with so many things they can take away from it, not just like something they pick up once and forget about, but really it engages you. And um, I love the critical thinking components because yeah, we definitely need to teach kids how to be like, um, what's the word, like conscious consumers, like taking it and critically thinking like, does this really fit with me? Is this, you know, propelled by systemic issues? And you just did such a good job of that. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. What are some of the things that you wish parents would know in terms of fostering positive body image for their children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think it's really important for parents to know that, you know, there are a lot of factors that can shape someone's body image. Um, and one of them, it can definitely be your environment, your home environment um, specifically, for example. Um, and, you know, children can begin struggling with their body image from a very young age. So I think it's really important for parents to be aware of that. Um, and children can be like sponges. So I think, um, you know, things that parents should be really cognizant of is um, not talking about bodies, whether it's their bodies or other people's bodies in a negative way. Um, dieting in front of children um, can be really harmful as well. Um, and maybe just not focusing on bodies so much, uh, you know, instead of saying, you, you look so, you look so um, beautiful, or you look so like fill in the blank, right? I think it's, it would be great if parents focus more on the things that their child is passionate about. Um, you, you know, you, you painted this picture so like, uh, brilliantly, you, uh, you know, the way you did something like focusing on their skills, their interests, their passions, because at the end of the day, we, we all have bodies, but our bodies are actually not that important of like how we look. So I think Mm -hmm. the more we are able to take that focus away from there, it will inherently teach children that as well, that it's not that important. I have a body. Great. Um, but you know, I am not my body. Hmm. I think that part is so, um, so good to emphasize because I think a lot of parents unintentionally do a lot of harm just by even, even providing lots of like positive comments about their bodies or their children's bodies. It just like relays the message that your appearance is important. Right. And like, it's, it's not the most important thing about us. There's so many other things about us. And if we can teach kids that from an early age, we could save so much hardship. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, what are some of the challenges for youth today in terms of body image and what practical advice would you give them about these challenges? Yeah, um, I think the first thing that definitely comes to mind is social media. Um, it's, it's everywhere. Um, it's everywhere that we look. And, you know, I think what I will say is I think we are starting to make some strides around, you know, um, having a little bit more representation, but I still think there's a lot of work to be done. Um, And I think, you know, it can be uh, challenging for youth where they're constantly um, seeing certain images and um, may feel this pressure to look a certain way or to 
um, be a certain way. And I think one of my practical advices is to just really take the time to be critical. Um, be critical about the content that you're viewing. Um, and remember that, you know, things aren't always as they seem. Uh, you know, there's so many editing apps that people can use to uh, look a certain way or uh, to perceive their life to be a certain way. I think that's another thing. Um, so I, I think it's just really important to get really critical about the things that we're seeing and know that it isn't always real. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I know there's some talk of some countries um, requiring like a filter warning on social media. And I know there's like lots of mixed feelings about that, but honestly, like as an eating disorder provider, I think that would be amazing because hmm. even when we tell kids, um, you know, this, these images aren't real, like they're filtered, they're airbrushed. It's like, there's a, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like a disconnect from, from knowing that, but then actually like believing that. Right. Right. I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm in the same agreement with you. I think if we could like, you know, if that could be just mentioned, like, by the way, you know, this is, this uh, photo or this video has been like edited or filtered. I think that that could be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it leads to like a whole nother level of body dysmorphia and like compulsions around that, like needing to use a filter and not being able to just take a regular photo. And oh, I just, I feel so bad for kids today. Like we had it hard growing up, but I don't think we had it this hard with just like the constant social media and comparison. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Um, so another thing that you like to do is you're a yoga instructor, right? Mm -hmm. Tell us about that and just like how I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how yoga might help us connect with our bodies and maybe even improve body image. Yeah, so I've been teaching yoga now for a few years and it's something that I truly enjoy. I also began practicing while back in university and I found yoga to be such a great tool for managing stress during that time. And I also later found yoga to be a great tool for helping me to just reconnect with my body. So when it comes to the conversation of body image, I think yoga, again, is such a powerful tool. It's helpful in so many different ways. But for myself, and um, I did find that it was really helpful to get me outside of my head and into my body. And for folks who may be struggling with body image uh, struggles or who may be recovering from an eating disorder, they may find that they often feel disconnected from their body. And again, the practice of yoga, whether it be the physical postures or uh, the different techniques such as mindfulness, uh, uh, breath, those things can really help bring you back in connection with your body and help to help one feel more grounded. And I think that is really great and helpful in terms of building on one's body image. I agree. When I was in recovery, um, yoga was some, was like a saving grace in a way, like it gets you out of your head and like into your body, but not in a way of like trying to change its shape or appearance, but it almost like led to more, well, it did, it led to so much more like appreciation, I think, to like slow down, connect with it, 
And I see that in my clients too, that when they're able to connect with their body in ways like that, um, it's, it really does improve the way that they take care of their body, the way that they, you know, talk to their body. It's definitely super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And you made a great point um, about like getting out of your head and into your body. Like it's, it's really grounding. Mm -hmm. Um, Practice is really grounding. And I think um, for sometimes for folks who struggle with eating disorders, it's like, they don't feel like they're in their body. Um, Yes. Almost like an out of body experience. So it's, it's really great to, yeah, like get you back um, being there. Yeah, in my opinion, that's like a key component of recovery is being able to connect to your body um, and to be able to trust it. But to be able to trust it, we have to we have to get to know it first. Um, And so many of, you know, people struggling with eating disorders, that is a really scary task to do. Right. It's not always easy. Yoga helped helps continues to help me like trust my body and slow down and tune in to what it's trying to tell me and just fosters like body intuition almost. Right. Absolutely. Um, what about like, okay, so let's say you were working with a client or someone was telling you about a client that you think would really benefit from yoga, but they're really scared to even try to connect with their body. Like what would you advise them to do? really great question and you know when you think of someone who might have struggled with their own body image for a while or also struggled with an eating disorder there may be a lot of um, resistance with getting to know their body um, and some fear around that as well so I think it's always important to be compassionate to that what I would probably recommend to someone um, who uh, has some of those um reservations about the practice of yoga for those reasons, I would probably recommend that they start um, with something like meditation, um, engaging in mindfulness practices where their focus is really just around things like breath and becoming present um, and, you know, seeing how they feel with practices like that. And if they feel, you know, um, that they want to take things a step further and perhaps begin to try yoga, I would recommend um, styles that are a little more gentler, um, such as restorative or a yin, where uh, the classes are slower. Sometimes, um, you know, poses are held for longer periods, and that could be a really great introductory way for one to begin to get to know their body. Um, I would also sort of recommend seeking to teachers or spaces where body positivity is something that is sort of um, uh, pronounced within the space um, so that it, it just creates a better experience for that client. Um, and yeah, I would also just encourage that person to explore. There's so many styles of yoga um, and you know, it's always great to explore to see what one likes, what one doesn't like, um, and to really just see how one, um, yeah, reacts to it as well. So I think I would just encourage that person to take things slow, to be compassionate with themselves and explore. What do you think, and we touched on this a little bit, but, um, what do you think needs to change in the field of public health um, to make eating disorders more inclusive? I think, um, you know, 
we're, we're starting to do more work around mental health, um, and which is really great. But I think one of the things that we tend to forget about um, is that eating disorders are a mental illness. Um, and so we need to put as much urgency on eating disorders as other illnesses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is one of the first things to making it more inclusive if we put more urgency around it. And when I mean urgency, I mean more funding, um, more government attention, um, and, and just more resources in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I think one thing in terms of inclusiveness, I think more community resources would be helpful as well. Um, because, you know, I think it, it sometimes can feel more uh, comfortable in community spaces to be able to access care um, and to receive different resources or treatments. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as well, we need to put more focus around research, especially the inclusion of marginalized groups in that research so that we can better serve those groups um, in terms of treatment. Um, And just, as I mentioned earlier, like non-discriminatory detection practices, because again, anybody can struggle with an eating disorder. And again, ensuring that the treatment options that we're sharing with people are intersectional and that they are able to support individual needs, not just like a one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all so important. I'm so glad you're doing this work because it sounds like you're doing just really incredible things. Thank you so much. When you hear the term body justice, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, You know, I would say, so the reality is there there are many people who continue to be marginalized and oppressed because of their body shape or their size. Mm -hmm. And this is is a huge problem. Um, I I not only in... um, you know, the representation sense, but when we look at things like discrimination in the workplace or in social spaces, um, there's a lot of harm that's being done. So I think for me, I body justice is very similar to social justice. I feel it's about ensuring that there is fairness for all bodies um, in the, you know, socially, politically, and economically, um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It really does encompass like social justice as a whole because all social justice issues impact bodies. So absolutely, it's such an expansive concept, but I love asking all my listeners about that and just hearing um, all the wonderful uh, perspectives on body justice. It's really meaningful. Um, yeah. So where can listeners find you? Yeah, so you can find me. Um, my I'm on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at do the tough stuff. I also have a website um, and it's www.dothetoughstuff.com. I would love to connect with all you listeners. So feel free to reach out to me again on Instagram or on my website. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely go follow her. She is amazing. You put out so many, so much great content. Um Tell people where they can find your book too. Yes. So my book, it is now available um, in Canada and the U.S. Um, So it's available on Amazon. Um, It's available in the U.S. um, through Target. And um, in Canada, it's also available through Indigo. Um, And 
if you, you can also look it up um, at some, a, a number of independent bookstores as well. Um, but those are the main uh, channels that you can find the book. Gotcha. And it's just called Body Image for Kids, right? Called Body Image because all bodies are great bodies. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yes. Go find it guys, because I read it and it was really great. And if I had a child, I would totally be reading that to them all the time. <laughs> um, all right, Tiara. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It was great speaking with you. you too.